I'm Vic Cohen, and it's a fair question. It's a fair question. It's a fair question. I'm Vic Cohen, and it's a fair question. It's a fair, it's a fair, it's a fair, it's a fair question. I'm Vic Cohen, and it's a fair, it's a fair, it's a fair, it's a fair quest, quest, question. Hello, this is Vic Cohen broadcasting live from gorgeous Skid Row Studios in downtown Los Angeles, California. The name of the show is It's a Fair Question because, well, on this show, every question is a fair question. There is absolutely no question, that's right, no question that is ever too personal or ever off limits. And tonight is a huge show for us because sitting across from me about two and, I say two feet, two and three quarters inch, something about that, very close. It's a tease. You're so close yet so far. Oh, you're almost within grasp. Is a man that I've been wanting on the show since we first started, and I was just thrilled to find out he can he could join us tonight. You know him, you've seen him, and there's a lot you don't know about him, and that's what we're also going to talk about tonight. I'm talking about the one and only Cato Kalen. Love him. You do love him. Well, <laughs> I'm him. I I've noticed to. you've not been able to keep your hands off yourself. I know. Well, you're three feet from me. I'm glad we can keep your hands from me. Actually, I should say, yeah, and I've been struggling to get him close to you. You are a good looking man. You must get a but, lot of women. Well, you know, it's, it's great that I got here early and you and I got to take a stroll with Jeremy, the owner of the studios, and just walk the streets of downtown L.A. It in was Skid fun. Row, which, by the way, it's really not that skiddy. Let, let's talk a little bit about uh, Brian Ger Gerard Kalen. I, I didn't even. I love that's your real name. Yeah, Brian Gerard Kalen. Uh, Cato actually is a, uh, a name given to me from my parents. My brothers uh, is Cato. Cato Kalen because of the Green Hornet. And I took karate, and we always to fight karate. And so Cato is my legal name now too. And it has that, been my legal name since about seven years old. Now, a lot of people don't know that th who you've been portrayed from the O.J. Simpson trial. Is really not who you are at all. I mean, with the with the performances by other uh, comic yeah, like actors. now, yeah. And just in case the one person who doesn't know Cato, how he first came to 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 be known, he was involved with the O.J. Simpson trial. Uh, in that he was Cato, you were the house guest of O.J. Simpson. Right, house guest sounds like it's an employee job. I basically had a room. It, the house was gigantic. I had a bungalow, and it was wonderful. It's when people, when they move out, they want to live in a guest house of a star. They would, they love guests. People would come up to me and during this time going, where can I get a place like this? Because it's beautiful. And yeah. uh, then, you know, I kept thinking, what a great thing that I should be. There's this thing called the guest house suites. And I kept going, are they going to call me to be <laughs> their spokesman? They haven't. <laughs> well, just to refresh everyone's memory, uh, back in 94, O.J. Simpson uh, was uh, held was put on trial for murdering his wife Nicole Brown Simpson and Ron Ron Goldman or Ronald Goldman. Mm -hmm. At that time, Cato was in the back house at the time of this uh, this murder. I'd mm -hmm. say alleged, but we know it was a murder. And there have been two trials. There was a civil trial, which uh, was held by the Go the Goldmans, mm -hmm. and was it also... Uh, yeah, the Browns too. And that was the second trial, which you testified at. And right. in that trial, the jury found him, O.J. Simpson, guilty. And prior to that, there was the state's case. And in that case, that's where O.J. was found not guilty. Correct. And which was the first one. The very first one, It yeah. was like the second one was the do-over. Correct. Which nothing could happen. You could go bankrupt or whatever. So do you think they got it right the second time? 
Uh, my opinion is, uh, in the, strictly my opinion, whatever it matters, is yes, they did get it right the second time. And where did they go wrong the first time? Well, I think the first time it was uh, L.A. was a, a there was so there was a Rodney King. There was so much, um, I think, black and white. There was the difference between them. And part of the trial was when they, uh, I was there sitting uh, during my testifying, and he'd walk in a courtroom and he would wave to the jury. This you is OJ. see that OJ, and they'd wave back, and it was it was celebrity at its best, where they not intimidated, they were in love. I I could see it on most of the jury that they loved this this OJ. Kind of like how I was when you walked in. True. My, <laughs> did I do anything? I by the way, I did not touch anybody, and I did not inhale. I had. <laughs> so you are you're there as a witness, yeah, just in court because you're eventually going to be be brought up to yeah. the stand and you're you're looking at this and did that seem odd to you? Well, I was there six days, but I... And this is the first six trial days, The first about. trial, six days, but I'm also there on hold. Okay. So you're in, in the holding room is not even... It's about a quarter the size. It's like you're in a closet. And just for all of you to be 100% clear, the first trial was kind of the bombshell trial. This is the one with Marsha Clark. It's the trial of the Clark. century. The yes. It's labeled as the biggest trial where cameras in the courtroom. Uh, to put it in perspective, this is, uh, Vic, is CNBC started, Court TV started, MSNBC started. Every lawyer got a show from one trial. And uh, I've said this in many shows. I said crime does pay. Because they became a billion-dollar industry. Not only that, CSI started. All the shows, the spinoffs, were because of the Simpson trial. Why was O.J. Simpson found innocent or not guilty? You're saying it's because the jury in the first well, trial was infatuated with stardom. Well, the jury is the one that came up with the verdict. But I, you know, I'm not a lawyer. But I, from other lawyers, and now that I've had made so many friends with lawyers, basically they would say the prosecution didn't present the case the right way and there was a lot of evidence they should have brought in this is once again other talking heads uh you know the first time in my life in a courtroom no parking tickets i'm in a double homicide case first time ever and it was my life became public i was a public figure and everything whatever i've done was everybody could just find out anything about me which i don't think there was anything that was a bad about me but still it was you know, it was tough to uh, come from uh, Wisconsin and, uh, you know, never not really kind of being loved and had a lot of friends to seeing after the trial what hate was all about. Some love me and some hate me. And it was just it was god awful. And, um, and none of them knew you. This well, was based on based on the TV and what the, I was the you know, once you once you're labeled something, you can't fight it because the more you fight it, it seems you know, the Cato, the freeloader, Cato never works. Cato, he is the biggest loser. And it's, um, th this happened for years and it was always repeated in the news. At first it was really a positive. And, and by the way, this had nothing to do with no, no doing my own. If I was spotted somewhere, I didn't say photographers take a picture. If I was, the more they did, it made you really popular. And then they would, you could see it. They wanted to turn it like, okay, enough Cato, let's destroy him. And I, I saw I saw it happening. I felt it happening. And I, I did not become a different person from that. It was how the media wanted to use me as this a pawn. Well, the amazing. Do you feel used then? Yeah. I, back then. Do you feel used now from it? No, no, no. I, I don't. You know what? Do you, Vic, I don't know. You, I'm sure you're the kind of guy that's got very, very close friends, a group of friends that you probably had for many, many years. I've got a set group of friends. I made a ton of friends that are really good people. 
but the ones that really stuck by me are my friends. And I, I came from a very large family. How big? They know. Uh, we had seven. Including yeah. you? Yeah. Seven brothers it's, and sisters. Yeah, we had uh, the siblings were four brothers. One brother died, but we had uh, six now. So. How did that happen? Oh, it was a birth. Oh. Okay. But it was a brother. That's he was sad. lived for like a month. Oh. But it, but we had, this was, uh, you know, to explain to, your par- uh, to my mom, because my father had passed away by that time, thank goodness. Why do you say thank goodness? Well, I think my father would have just, the way my mother reacted to the news and people making fun of me, it just, it's just emotionally she was a wreck. Thinking, because that's her baby. and, and Exactly. She just, uh, she, crying phone calls. What do they say about you? I would just tell her, do not watch TV. Don't watch these shows. But it was it was on a year and a half. This is and in it was Milwaukee. On every day. Your mom this was in Milwaukee, Milwaukee, where you grew up. So, you know, it was the Entertainment Tonight. It was the, at that time, uh, Current Affairs and um, whatever. Uh, uh, now, you, you were know. divorced at this time, correct? Well, that's a whole other story. I wasn't even, yeah, I had no... Like was your no ex-wife wife. loving it this? A, it wasn't really what it was. A, sort of like having an annulment. It's like a, okay. a do-over. It wasn't. She's a terrific person. So you guys but had it wasn't. You know, it was not a marriage. Marriage, like I think people are thinking. Okay, because like, in all the bios, you know, it I says, was like, oh no, I this isn't me. Well, I was just thinking. I like, waited. By the way, I was a virgin. To get married? Fact. Yeah. And you married at well, what? Thirteen. I, I, I was very Catholic. <laughs> I was. Raised, are you Catholic? Yeah. Okay, that's interesting. Here's the thing about um, Cato. He is the complete (laughs) opposite of what you imagine. Okay, so he got married as a virgin. I would have never guessed that. You do drugs? No drugs. Ever done drugs? Never done drugs. Uh, Do you drink? I can can have a glass of uh, like a Pinot Noir. And the funny thing is, I can only have that because, and I I, I always stress this point, I hate when people go, well, I'm gluten-free, I'm this. I actually did the blood test. I can't have certain things because I'm a migraine sufferer. Uh, I'd love to have a beer, but I can't, I get... I get like these stage nine behind my left eye migraines. So it's a blessing. It's a curse. And uh, alcohol, I kept, if I had anything, I would get so sick. and never really drunk. I would just, so I said, uh, I can't drink. So I can have a glass of peanut wine. I've never been a big drinker. Never I'm tried marijuana. The drug. I've never tried pot. Coke? Nope, no Coke. Heroin? No. <laughs> that was a big step. <laughs> I, I, Suddenly I drank, you're back on the stand. <laughs> Drano one time, and you didn't tell me how to swear in on your show. <laughs> you know, is there? Hold on. No, there's no Bible. Is it a is it a uh, a choice because you want to stay healthy? You're scared of death, or what is it? No, it was a thing. So funny is that because when I was growing up, my brothers, um, I was this guy. If I saw my brothers, I was the youngest brother. So when I saw my brothers drinking, or if I saw my family drinking. I would kind of freak out, like, don't do this. Don't become something different. Because at the time, I saw some of our neighbors who got drunk and violent, and and people would make fun of the drunk people. So I kept telling my mom, don't drink, please don't drink. <laughs> As a kid, <laughs> you I'd wait up boy. for them. I'd wait up for them at night and go look through the window, like, are they home yet? And it was, I just would freak out. So I think part of that was psychological going. And then my brothers, when uh, I saw my brother had smoked pot, I went nuts. Because, you know, I, in my head, I'm thinking, this is going to die. Was he, were you a hall monitor in school? Uh, no, no hall monitor. <laughs> what were you in high school? What kind uh, of kid were you? I was uh, uh, definitely an athlete. Really? I tried to become a pro ball player. We took our team to state, baseball, and I was the pitcher. I was the quarterback. It sounds impressive, but I was homeschooled. I had to throw that joke in there because that's just part of the routine. <laughs> Mom, go deep. Well, you- <laughs> we have a big game today. We're playing dad. It's homecoming week and break. <laughs> you, you you, know what? You got me. You, uh, you drew me in. No, but I was. I was all those things. I, I wanted to become a, a baseball player. And, and the next thing I knew, I, I, I played at Wisconsin-Eau Claire, the second biggest school, and I made the varsity my second freshman year. Second biggest school in Eau Claire. 
in Eau Claire, <laughs> in, in Wisconsin. And so yeah. I did the, uh, I said, God, I got to move to California because this guy, Augie Garrido, was coaching Cal State Fullerton, and I decided to go to Fullerton. And I, I tried out. I didn't really try out. I went to the practice, and I didn't get whiskers really till I was about 33, 34. These guys were gigantic. And that was uh, Mark McGuire played at USC, but I saw a scrimmage, and I was like, oh, my God, these guys are good. Um, what position? Pitcher. Really? Yeah. Wow. You're, well, how fast could you throw the ball? 89. That's fast. 89 miles an hour. I, I, hit a, I did a, um, a jugs machine, and they clocked me, man. <laughs> Let's talk about, um, so you're living in this guest house. How did you even get into OJ's house uh, as a guest you know, in that, in that separate house. It was a Craigslist. I actually had mentioned that I was looking for a Simpson, Jessica. <laughs> I got the wrong <laughs> ad. Next thing you know, it was Barton Homer. Kato, <laughs> let's do the show, Vic. Uh, it was, um, it's a funny story. You be the judge of that. I will. I had a, uh, a casting business with a, a gentleman who was on a soap opera called um, General Hospital. He and I started a business. And the business became semi-successful, and we just uh, decided to take a vacation together. And said, "Let's." He said, "Let's go to Aspen. We'll drive." He goes, "Everybody goes to Aspen during Christmas," and it was new to me. We drove, had an absolute ball, and Nicole was there, divorced from OJ. He he had known Nicole, the uh, gentleman, my friend, and they they hit it off, and she fell, in, you know, really liked him. And the next thing you know, they got back together in L.A. What years? Went, this is 93. Okay. 1993. And they got together and started to date a little bit. Now, I was the third wheel on dates, but I was the person that kind of made the jokes and was funny. And I lived in Hermosa Beach at the time. We had a party where Now, Nicole, that is the stereotype of Cato Kalen. Living, at the, living at the beach. <laughs> living at the beach. And, uh, <laughs> uh, but Hermosa Beach, it was a wonderful time. Came up to her house to a, a big party. She had a gigantic guest house not connected to her house. I said, who lives there? She goes, no one. I said, and I paid the rent. I said, can I move here? Because driving up to, we did movie sets and we uh, did all the castings for any extras. Like uh, we cast a hundred people one day and 200. You and your day, partner who was dating partner, Nicole. And we get a you know percentage of everything. So Nicole said yes. And she had known me for probably a month. And but how did Nic- ball. And then that was, that was it. And then OJ and her started dating after the other two broke up and I think he had checked out who I am. Just so I'm clear, hold on. I want to make back this up for just one moment. The guest house that Nicole invited you to stay in that you had questioned about, is that the the one in OJ's property? No. That uh, was at her home. On Gretna Green Street in Redwood. So Gretna Green, she had a beautiful home. Yes, I drove by that after the crime scene because I I had to see. I mean, you know, it was such big news. Well, Gretna Green was not... A part oh, of the, was this okay? That was the second after one. She lived in Bundy's, where the crime that's seat, where I yeah, yeah, yeah. Gretna Green's okay. different in Brentwood. Um, so, anyways, that's how it happened. And then the kids at the time, I, I guess they kind of fell in love with me because I was fun to be with. And it's so funny because uh, growing up at that time with the children, it was the Kardashian girls and the Sydney Simpson Justin used to jump on my bed in the guest house to wake me up. And I'll never forget, it was Kim Kardashian and Chloe and Courtney, and they're all, everybody was friends. And Nicole would jog with Chris and, you know, back in 93, every day they'd go jogging. But this time Chris uh, Kardashian, Kardashian is yeah. married to Robert Kardashian, or are they divorced? Divorced. Okay. Divorced, uh, but all friends. So that was what it was like growing up in the Brentwood for me, One- for them. And then they got a dog, and I knew it was, a, like I said, it's like, Cato, they didn't love you, but 
it was a, a thing of all love because they named the dog Kato. Okay. And it was the, the famous Akita. And that was the dog that was howling. That was truly, yes. they say, the witness to the crime at, at uh, yeah, Nicole Brown's exactly. system. So what about the rumors that uh, Chris Kardashian had an affair with OJ? Yeah, I, I've heard those rumors. I, you know, are they're just rumors, I imagine. I, you know, who knows what's true? Were they I uh, a little never, too close in your mind? No, 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 I never saw that. You know, Vicky, I really didn't hang out with that crowd. I lived there, but it wasn't my hangout. It wasn't, okay. I had my own set friends. And I would, it would, I would see, I sort of had like the view from a room of what was important. And let's face it, Brentwood, money is very important. Money is what is really important. And I saw that as being the ruling factor in relationships. Now you're uh, the jumping on the bed, waking you up, dog being named. Is that when you were living at Nicole's? Gretna Green. Gretna Green. Okay. And then how did you transfer over to OJ's guest house? Um, <clears throat> Nicole had got a new place on Bundy and okay. said, you can move into the house there. And I didn't think it was right to move into the house there. And I was going to move out. And I had to become friends with OJ again. And he just said, no, just go. You can move in. I've got a bungalow. You can just have it there. Have your place there. How big was it. the bungalow? Oh, it had a kitchen in it. It was um, oh, God, 700 square feet, maybe. Okay. You know, and access to uh, the pool area that will, you know, it's beautiful. Separate bedroom? Had, separate, yeah, it wasn't connected to his house. But in that, in that suite, as we call it, you had your own bedroom with a living yeah. area and a separate kitchen. Yeah, no, very small. It was just, it was like being at a uh, Marriott uh, uh, suite. In, what do you call those? The uh, Courtyard Marriott. Yeah, okay. That's what it was, just, just like that. And then you had the uh, the doors that would open up to the pool? Yeah, the doors, that was my front door. What the were you paying in rent? Well, the rent was, OJ said, whatever I wanted to pay. I offered rent every month to OJ, and he said, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. But I was offered, I came off as this freeloader guy. Every month, I offered OJ money, and he would just say no. And I only lived there six months. Okay. And the, whole, the last month that I was there, I got a place on San Vicente where I was going to move out. And then the life changed. That is unbelievable that you were living rent-free, yeah. yet look what it cost you. I mean, there's some irony that there. Was like a, that was a big commercial break right there. That was like... That and was we'll like be back had, after this. No, no, it's no commercial. No, but isn't that something? Yeah, it really is. I guess they say that, you know, there's no such thing as free at the uh, end. Yeah, that's, that's, that's another good saying. Thank you. I've got several of them. <laughs> what kind of... Uh, I know that he wasn't technically a roommate, but you did see him on the property from time to time. Well, what kind of landlord was he, or well, roomie, let's, or whatever? I know it wasn't, it wasn't a roomie. In the it, was, it was one of these things where um, <clears throat> very charismatic. Uh, I was. I'm a huge football fan. I'm a huge Green Bay Packer fan. I had had friends over watching the game. At, at the, I could count maybe in the six months seeing him twelve times max. Don't forget he was doing sports on with NBC. Okay, and he traveled to. Uh, I think he was the voice of doing Notre Dame games, if I remember right. So he's gone a lot. During the time that I lived there, and never, never really around. Were you infatuated with him uh, and his magnetism? No. Did you th see him as a big star in any way? No. I, you know what? I, I saw him as a uh, a football star. That's really about it. I was going to film premieres way before <clears throat> I became famous. And, <clears throat> excuse me. The um, thing was when I go to movie premieres and the red carpets that I'd be at after I went to red carpet events, people thought, "Oh, there's Cato again." But they didn't understand. I went to these way before, but now I was known, and it was like, oh, now I got to become an introvert. Um, but I, I was going to mention that we were just the, the thought you had, which um, 
Oh, you. What about the uh, no such thing as free? No, or? no. Right, right after that, it was a really good point I was going to make. And for goodness' uh, about sakes, about being oh, roommates, uh, but you weren't technically no. roommates. And then I asked if you were infatuated with him. No, I think I think the uh, the culture was. Uh, I went to a football game, uh, a Raider game, and I saw the the crowd how they would just go crazy for OJ and explain that crowd going OJ need uh, autographs and it made sense there in the Bronco chase of how they held up signs like go juice go before any of the evidence came out right and, of and how it came how people when he was at a game how they fell in love with him and then during the Bronco chase it was like another football game but <laughs> and for those of you who don't remember when OJ said he was going to turn himself in instead he uh, jumped into his white Ford Bronco and took a joyride although uh, AC Collins was I think was behind the wheel and yeah. OJ allegedly supposedly was crouched behind uh, him with a gun is that right or was yeah, it OJ driving I, and no, AC I, was I, on the phone I think AC was on the on the I think it was uh, AC driving I remember right okay and uh, OJ was crouched in on the phone. I remember the, the game being broken up between the Rockets and the Knicks. And so you uh, you watched that live, like all of yeah, us. Yeah, I was with some buddies. W- what were you thinking when you watched that? Boy, it, w- it was just a very surreal of how the. Uh, I, I think in my heart, I felt like this is like this is like a history thing happening, and it was like a, this is like never never has something like this happened before and then when i heard people pleading don't kill yourself oj don't kill yourself in my head i was thinking there's no way he's going to kill himself i i think and uh, why again, why my did opinion, you think that i mean i'll explain i i think it's because he loved himself so much and i i think he had an he he does have an incredible ego and i i just think it was a ploy how how did you see that ego demonstrated well i i just the times I was around him, I think he thinks he could have anything. I think he was the kind of guy that wanted a wife and other women. Once again, this is all my opinion, but this is, I think... You the, saw him cheating on Nicole? No, no, I didn't see cheating. Well, he when he got back to Nicole with Nicole, you were around. Yeah, completely. And if they ever got into an argument, I never saw anything violent with hitting. But when they did get in an argument, I always mentioned them. I go, you guys, don't fight. You should kiss each other. It was how I saw my parents all the time. I tried to relate that. You guys should hug, be in love. It, it, when you say your parents, you're saying that your parents would argue or that your parents... My, my parents always... I never saw my parents not being in love. I never saw them not kissing. I never saw them being affectionate. And I said if they ever had an argument, my father or mother would always end up with a kiss. So it worked for them. Why not try it for uh, OJ and Nicole and say, you guys just don't fight over something. So you've only, you said you only saw OJ maybe 12 times. But, maybe about 12, yeah. But enough, there was enough something going on between uh, himself and Nicole for you to have to say that at least once. Yeah, I think I think they had silly arguments that were uh, I like I said I can't remember maybe it'd be over popcorn or something. I'm just saying it's like, you know, come on. Were you, you sitting in the 12? room with them like watching TV or something? Is uh, well, if the kids came over, they always gravitated towards me and would hang out and just like we're gonna play with Cato. If I was outside, it would just be hanging with them, and then I would see. Obviously, they'd come outside. Also, it wasn't me. If I was just outside, they'd come out. It wasn't me trying to hang out with them. So, did you think OJ was in love with Nicole? Were they acting like I, I think he's in love. I think he, I think it was uh, definitely in love, but I also think it was, um, uh, you can't have your cake and diet too. You know, it's one of those <laughs> things. He you think he more. wanted to own her and I, well, have it, other women? I believe so. I mean, I, I think that a, a guy who had a lot of power wants one, more than one woman, maybe a, a, a mistress or, you know... I think he was dating someone else at the same time. If I remember, her name was Paula, but I don't know if that was during Nicole or not. You were, uh, you probably had a strong connection with Nicole because she was really your first friend. She's the one who yeah. brought you into that 
friendship with OJ. Yeah, and I was a crazy runner also. I didn't really run with her. She ran with her girlfriends, but I was back then in the day, I you know, I did like six marathons and I would run every single day. And and now I, I don't, but what uh, was when did you first hear about Nicole being murdered? How'd that um, come about? It came about with uh, me being in the uh uh OJ's house with the detectives who came to the door like at five in the morning. And so you're sleeping, we, you get a knock on the door, knock on the door. And, but you know, they said, I saw four guys outside and I had the night before I was just already a really strange night for me with, um, uh, talking to this girl. And I thought I heard noises and it was just like bizarre. And she wanted me to come to her place to sleep the night. And I said, just come on over here. Um, because I wanted my way too. So, and I didn't feel like driving. So it, it ended up that she didn't come by. And I just remember the knock at the door, and it was four guys. And they asked me, they, I said, come on in. And they, you know, I was groggy, and they asked me uh, what I wore, my clothes that I wore last night. And they were hanging out a chair. I said, over here, and what'd you, what shoes did you wear? And they looked at my shoes, and, and I was saying, everything okay? And immediately to me, I thought, a plane crash. I don't know why. I just thought, he, I knew he flew to Chicago. Is everything okay? And then um, they got Arnell Simpson in the other bungalow, and... Um, we were in the, uh, they brought us into the main house and that's when uh, we found out that a detective had to call the Browns and say their daughter had been murdered. So you're, you're sitting in the living so, room of, uh, but I, I was hearing it. I wasn't part of the conversation. We could hear, um, you and Arnell. Detective. Yeah. Arnell was, I think originally supposed to say it and she couldn't. So the detective took the phone. So just so I'm clear, Arnell already knew. And you didn't, or... Yeah, I believe Arnell already knew. And you didn't, and you overheard yeah. the call to the Simpsons. The, I mean, the, uh, Nicole Brown's family. Mother, family, right. mother, father, uh, sister? Well, I was on the phone, but it was the family. I, I think okay. it was probably the uh, father. I, I, I don't so what know. are your first thoughts when you hear OJ's been, uh, is involved, or that she has been murdered? Uh, oh, devastation. Couldn't couldn't believe it. And I thought it was just a, a freak act. You know, she, she got murdered, but nothing to do with OJ at the time. And then, little by little, that's why they're there. Never crossed your mind? No. It, well, they crossed my mind in saying, it, when they asked me to walk through the kitchen and said, be careful of the blood. And then I knew. What about the uh, McDonald's run the night before? Now, you said that you... Are we going to talk about other stuff too? Vic? Yes, we are. But <laughs> I'm so fast. I promise we will move on. We're going to move on. I, I hate reliving, actually. I get I get a really... I, I I try to go beyond this because it's really it's it's a psychological thing. I try it's almost twenty years, and I try to get rid of it in my, uh, you know, I'll, I'll always have it, but I don't like going back to that place. But real quickly, you asked me what was the oh the Did McDonald's. Did that seem weird to you? Because you only seen him twelve times, like you know to be. Well, no, he came to my door, which seemed weird. He said if, if I could break change for a hundred, and I didn't have that change, and I uh, had forty dollars, I gave him forty dollars, and. I had run about 15 miles that day and I played basketball and I was starving. And he said, I'm going to get something to eat. And I invited myself, say, could I come? And at that time, who knew it was going to happen, right? That I invited myself and I'm sure that it screwed up all his timing. Hmm. That's fascinating. Yeah. Now, there, I know he's not a roommate, but were there funny things like, you know, like the guy is always surfing the channel. You know, like those annoying roommate type things. No, because I wasn't his roommate. I always had the guest house. The only time was I had my buddy of mine, Will. He came by and we're diehard Packer fans and we watched the Packers play the Lions in a playoff game. And we were watching in my bungalow on a smaller TV. Right. And he uh, came by 
and said, you guys go go in the house and you guys watch the game in the in the big TV. And then my buddy and I are very loud during Packer games and he couldn't believe how much we knew about football. And that was probably it. He was just cracking up at our stuff. Like, uh, come on, Sterling Sharp was playing at the time and he was like a god. He never missed the ball and he missed the ball and we we're going crazy. And then Favre threw this bomb at the, the last second like a, a, a Hail Mary pass and Sterling Sharp caught and we were just going crazy, bumping our chest way before it was popular. And he just couldn't believe it. He goes, these guys really like football. <laughs> That's my OJ. <laughs> it's like was OJ, OJ was in the room. Are you surprised what happened later with the whole Nevada thing? Oh, yeah. It's, uh, all the stuff that, uh, the stuff plays out. It, 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 it's, you wouldn't, you can't make this up of him writing a book on if, if I did it. That was just another thing he did. It was like he did a book, and if he did do the murders, this is how he would do it. He actually wrote a book about yeah. that. And the people, and it's like, okay, then he robbed a place, and then he wrote a book called If I Robbed It. No, he didn't. <laughs> Kidding. But right, for those who don't know, uh, O.J. got in trouble in, in Nevada. Nevada for, with his own uh, sports memorabilia. He's on, uh, he got paroled, but he still has to serve, I think, four months. I don't or, know. Or something. Yeah, he, uh, I guess, was false imprisonment. He's trying to get his stuff back, and uh, but guns were involved, I believe. And Yeah, got- I, I don't know the, whole, the, the case of what happened, but I really believe that Nevada just cracked down and said, we'll show you how it's done, California. Because it was, uh, they really just, they didn't care who he was. They're taking this guy. He's going to jail. And he went, he's been in prison now for six years or so. When, you, when he comes out of uh, prison, do you have anything you want to say to him? No, there's... Uh, no, I, I, you know what? I don't have contact with anybody in the trial, and I think it's best that way. And I, I, I'm sure I'll never see him, so I have nothing to say. You think there was a d- defense uh, curse? When you look at Johnny Cochran dying of cancer, uh, you have uh, Robert Shapiro's son passing away. There's someone uh, else also I'm trying to think of. And then there's Robert, Robert Kardashian. Kardashian. I mean, has that crossed your mind? Uh, yeah, I, I think that, you know, I... It's great. It's like a movie playing out The Conjuring or something. Uh, we have these people dying from a defense trial, 10 little Indians. Everybody's going one by one. But no, I just think it was bad health. So it was just <laughs> just a coincidence. <laughs> yeah, it's a coincidence. And did he get away with murder? Because there's this whole thing. I know I hate, I know you don't like bring, talking about it, but I, it'd be reluctant. I'd be, did the show start? <laughs> no, what's this thing about The Post? Oh, yeah, that's something that's that some really saying. upsets me. Yeah. I mean, just the clear Post, the record on that. Do you have it right in front of you? Well, according to Cindy Adams, you reportedly said that the statute of limitations has now passed. This is a, this is in just 2012. So mm-hmm. I can now say, yes, he did it. Yeah. So this is something that I've never met this woman. Cindy Adams. Cindy Adams. I've never talked to the New York Post in my life ever that they can print this. And you. this caused me, honestly, it emotionally... I had reporters showing up. It, it really tears away at you. It was like I relived it from day one again. And I felt hatred from people because it was all over the news. And it it didn't go away right away. 18 calls the morning. I had my phone. I, I turn it off. And then it, when you get messages, it just went crazy. I go, oh, my God, something happened. So Harvey Levin calling me from TMZ. Harvey Levin saying, what do you, what's your defense? What do you have to say about this? And I had no idea what, it, what, what he was talking so about. Where did this come from? Just a man, this, literally from this thin air. just came out. I, I'm driving myself crazy going, what in the world is she talking about? I've never met this person. And why would she say this? Did you call her? No. I, I went and I got a lawyer. And um, the job I was working with in Beverly Hills, I was doing a TV show at the time. And my owner said, I'm going to get you a lawyer. And Harvey Levin put me on. I, I didn't go on Teams. I went on verbally. I went on the phone. And I said basically what I'm telling you. And yes, I'm pursuing it. And then Dr. Drew 
And then I said, I don't do any more shows. And my boss said, just do Good Morning America. So, so your sh- show goes up in, uh, Jeremy's yawning at my store. Um, but the show goes up in ratings. So I did this Good Morning Who's America. Who's your boss? Uh, his name is Elkie David. Uh, terrific guy. He's a Greek billionaire. Uh, his okay. family owns Coca-Cola. Is he your manager? No, 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 no. He's... He's a friend. I did his, he owns a network, like Oprah owns a network okay. called Film On. And I was so, doing a TV show called Tailgating with Cato. Great show. Not as good as yours, but a good show. <laughs> Mine was on TV. I apologize. We're tailgating. My, <laughs> right here. Hey, we're on TV. My show, actually, my show actually put the tail in front. <laughs> <laughs> and um, anyway, so I did this and I explained the whole thing of, listen, I never met this person and I'm going to pursue the case. And financially now it's costing too much to pursue the case. Uh, I believe there might have been a retraction. I don't know. But the point was, it didn't matter with the retraction or not. The damage was done. And it went from day one again that Cato is the biggest liar. And I had to live that where I never said a thing. The thing about you, which is so fascinating, is that you're really the opposite of how you're portrayed. And get, getting to know you, it's like a shock. <laughs> I'm serious. I mean, you're very funny. I mean, you know, and the way you interact with people live is is really good. I mean, you're very talented. Thanks. And, you know, people don't understand. You had a lot of stuff going on before this OJ thing. You, yeah, were, you think- were really making some, mo- you know, good movement. You know, when you're early in your career, it's always tough. And you had started in a film. You had a bunch of credits. You've been in a co-commercial. Well, I've uh, been about three of those. But here's the best part of the story. Aaron Meyerson was one of my friends at the time of... Uh, 93, 90s, a very close friend of mine. Aaron runs part of MTV now. Aaron gave me a script and uh, he said, I want you in this movie. So I read the script and got a to screen test for a, a film. And Aaron uh, believed in me so much. The film's called Dumb and Dumber. And I read for the Jeff Daniels role. And I got through uh, Rick Montgomery casting and the Farrelly Brothers' first movie. My life changed. That was in May. Um, doing this reading, the uh, it was the week before the merge, June, and that was I'd never heard from him again. But I got that far in the career of making something happen. I went to an academy for seven years, and everything I became this uh, a person that people wanted to meet just to meet Cato. I was a caricature of myself. What would you say for seven years? I misunderstood. I didn't hear what exactly you said. You oh, said- I went to an academy. I went to an acting academy for seven years. I studied acting. I did here in L.A. In L.A. Where were you studying? At Creative Actors Academy. And it was okay. the, uh, I went there and I, Ivana Chovic, um, and you can check their IMDb, their credits of who that would, went under these people. They're really great acting coaches. But the, the point was, it was so hard to um, get to a certain level and everything just changed. So, and now it's like almost 20 years later, you know, it, it took a long time. It's like I froze part of my life of, um, you know, being Cato, that's Cato, that's Cato. You can't have him for anything. Cato, Cato's going to play Cato, which is not a bad thing. I mean, I'm making a living. I'm very happy, but, um, and, and I'm not downplaying two people that lost their life. I mean, that's what it's really, it was never about anybody else but them. But I think it became because of the media of portraying me or other people as this uh, person that capitalizes and on whatever he's doing. And it's not capitalizing, it's, it's making a living. And I never became anything different. I didn't become uh, a doctor or a lawyer. I didn't become other lawyers getting TV shows. I'm still that same guy from, you know, 93, 94, uh, trying to my uh, to get into acting, to do work, to, you know, well, pay the my great, mortgage. The great thing about my experience with you is I am that guy on the street. I'm the guy who watched 
Leno, make fun of, you know, go into all the stereotypes. I'm the guy who first met you, um, only knowing you from the OJ trials, coming in with perceptions Mm -hmm. that have been, I've been programmed. And that's what's so uh, fascinating about getting to know you is how completely different you are. And it would just take people a few minutes to spend time with you. And I think they would see who you are. Right. I mean, we just spent a few minutes together here before the show and um, you were cracking me up, you know, and this isn't, this is you. Right. This is not anything else but you. Jeremy, get on there. Talk to me. Wasn't he, wasn't, didn't you have fun uh, hanging out with Cato downtown? Say that one more time. So didn't you have fun hanging out with Cato downtown? I had a great time. That was, uh, that was great. Yeah, I mean, Cato, uh, you, you're envious of his confidence. He just hops right in there, and there's these lovely ladies sitting <laughs> at, at a table at a restaurant, and he has them giggling in, in a second. Right, but and the thing is, and you can go now. We can hear your okay. air conditioner. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> who, who was that? <laughs> <laughs> that was Jeremy. The, he runs the place, and uh, we hung. Out, we had okay. a good. Uh, Cato came a bit early, not too much early, just perfect, where we could take a little walk around downtown and. Uh, and, and you're just funny, you know, and yeah. it's like the more, and I did have a chance to meet you with, we have a mutual friend, Dan Frisch, who yeah. I want to thank for introducing me to you. And Dan's a great guy. Yeah, he is. And, um, and I know Dan's one of those lifelong friends. He knew you or LA friends who knew you before, yeah, I believe, and right? Dan and I are over 20 years friendship. Yeah. So you were, you guys were just friends and then boom, he sees his friend involved in this mm-hmm. crazy story. Um, so the, the question is, was the trial uh, a blessing or a curse, and I know you, like you said, some people died. It's no one wants that. But as far as your own personal life, you said you've had some time that's been frozen, yet we are walking down the street. People are recognizing you. So is it just a combination of both as far as your own career goes? Well, I think it's a double-edged sword. There's good and there's bad. And I think if anything, in my, my whole life has been to look at the, the, the light. I really am. I hate dark and I hate um, any kind of hate. And I always stress this because that's what I'm, I swore, I, this, this is the way I was raised. I, I was always around a loving family and I, I hate seeing uh, violent, violent acts. And I've always been, I think if anything, I was portrayed as this, you know, people come up to me even, even today going, when they mention the trial, they go, you're the one bright spot in a trial. And I don't know if that's a compliment or not. <laughs> I'm thinking it's a double homicide, but I'm the bright spot. But I think they're, they're not downplaying the murders. They're just saying, we could relate to you, Cato. And um, I was myself during the testifying. I was, like I said, I was nervous, but I answered to things. And when people laughed at certain lines, it wasn't a planned out thing. It's the way I would answer that question. And um, I, th- I think that's part of the reason why, I, I, if anything, I stood out in a trial as a witness. And um, Well, yeah, because you were real and you weren't buttoned down and pre-programmed and uh, packaged. You just were yourself. And I don't think people are used to that. Yeah, and, and and with that too, and even today in uh, in 2013 and 14, um, I I really love people, and I I when people spit at me and put things in my hair back in the day, I didn't really hate them. I was just like, oh man, I can't have, believe. Are have, you being are you being uh, dramatic? No, or people were literally spitting at you. Oh my, spitting at me, always wanted to fight me, and for what? Uh, Exactly. That's what I was thinking. Like, what? I mean, I would, you know, I'm not got to cry a lot, but I was, I was depressed. Were you crying? They, oh yeah, I, I got really upset a few times, and people would just look at me and go, "You're the biggest loser. You, you are a liar. You're, you're this in, in my face." And um, 
Did you have it, to go to therapy over this? No, no. I did. Yeah. My therapy was my friends. And uh, people would ask me, do you need therapy? You, If you ever need a doctor, I've got a friend. And um, I said, no, I, I don't. I, I do phone calls. I called my family a lot. I called, hung out with my best friends uh, to this day. You know, they were high school friends. They're still my best friends today. And I think that's the uh, probably what made me, you know, you know, very humbled because at one point I, I really couldn't go off for a year and it would be going to events where from the, the funny thing was I went to event, uh, events like the Indy 500, the Kentucky Derby. I didn't ask for security. I had, I had been nine guys. And one time I had to be lifted up because I had such a mob around me. And at the time I had a publicist who had the Michael Jackson and he goes, he's never seen anything like this. And I was kind of cracking him. I'm a witness in this trial. And it was, it was if I could only relate to you, I wasn't this, I was this guy who was a witness, like a rock star without the talent. <laughs> <laughs> Did you so, get off on it at all? I mean, there, isn't there something well, I, kind of cool about people wanting to know I, who you are and, and being no, recognized, even if it's not. You know for, what? You know, you saw me out in the street today. Yeah. I was just like that exact same guy. So you could say I'm that guy because of the trial. No, it's the way I am of me going up to people like that. The the bad part was that they recognized me immediately and it was um they it was never forced by me, but people could I could see people going, he's just he's just doing that because he's on T V. Mm. And I had so many people come up to me always going that guys that were just people that you really understand what hate is about when you're famous. You see hate and you don't you have guys going, you know, enjoy your fifteen minutes, loser or like I said, I had these concerts I'd go to sometimes that would be first of all I knew I shouldn't go but my friends go just go and I you know I had these curls that took all these uh, uh, one thing they poured uh, beers on my head then I had a, a thing where a girl took these would run by with lo lollipops that were very popular and they'd stick them in my hair and I was sick I was going is this really happening this is with the long hair uh, this is semi long you know my the long hair in the trial just, I, first, I look at that picture and I go I don't remember my hair actually being that long. <laughs> I think it was where I was sitting or crotched. It was like, that's pretty long. Yeah. Uh, did you ever have death threats? Yeah, I had death threats. I had quite a few death threats. I had a, a radio show. I'd get death threats all the time. I had a security the first three months because of death threats. What a waste. I mean, I mean, I mean, <laughs> no offense to you. Yeah. I, I, I mean, if you've I, got someone you want to take Vic, out. <laughs> Vic, I'll tell you, when I was driving my car in the 90s sometimes. What did you do to deserve that? Nothing. I'd, I'd pull up and then my car, if I was at a stoplight, I'd try not to look. I would have people knocking their window, either flip me off. And by the way, people love me too. It wasn't just all hate. But the, the hate is what you remember. 90 people love you. One person in the 90 H, uh, 91 love you and the one person. So you remember is that one person. It's so true. That saying is that one person hates me. And still to this day, I, I get little tweets of Kato's the biggest freeloader. But I'm turning that in my favor, being a freeloader and a slacker. How are you doing that? Um, how am I doing that? I'm doing that with a woman. A wonder, Hold on, before wonderful. you go, before you, I'm totally interrupting you. Okay. But the truth, no, no. Is, no, but the truth is, you've never been a freeloader. No, 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 not I mean, at all, or a slacker. I've and never. So you say I you're never, taking advantage of what you're taking advantage of, of is the people saying that about me of this this perception. Exactly. I to this day, I still get the uh, tweets or uh, comments on uh, uh, different social medias of being the a uh, loser and a, and a freeloader. And uh, I met uh, a woman I did a show with back in 1995 or so. Her name is Rhonda Shear, and she's wonderful. Rhonda had a show called Up All Night, 
and it was a comedy show. It was sort I of like an Elvira, and um, she did very comical things. So I did a movie before the trial called Beach Fever, and uh, Rhonda, we did this show together, the entire thing. We did this comedy, and our friendship grew from that over like 19 years ago. Anyways, I went to the Playboy Mansion. I've been a friend of Hef's now for 18 years, and it was the Midsummer Nights. It was the biggest party of the year, and a lot of naked people walking around. We actually just painted models. And which is good for me because I finger paint. But seriously, Jeremy, wake up. <laughs> Jeremy, Jeremy heard a, uh, something about a boob and a vagina. He's like, what, Cato? Boob and vagina, put me back on the mic. I can turn the air conditioner off. Boobs, vagina, Cato. So um, Rhonda saw me and goes, Cato, you look the same. And I said, Rhonda, you look beautiful. You're the same. And she was with the um, people at her company called Rhonda Sheer Enterprises. I'll, I'll make this quick. She's on Home Shopping Network, which I don't watch. 93 million people do every day. Mm-hmm. Rhonda invented something called the awe bra, A-H-H bra. And this bra has got her to be the entrepreneur of the year three years in a row by Ernst & Young. She's in Forbes magazine about being an entrepreneur. She became a mogul, sold millions and millions, became very, very wealthy. She said, Katie, we should do a line for you. And not a drug line, please. There goes Jeremy again. I'll do the coke. Jeremy, no drugs. So she goes a clothing line. I said, okay, what's your idea? Um, she, she was asking me if I had an idea. And I said, you know what? It'd be kind of funny to um, do a thing that I'm always uh, accused of being this guy uh, living on couches and all that. Why don't we do Cato couch potato wear? And her executives that were at the party, I could see they had a little twinkle in their, twinkle in their eyes. And I said, yeah, we do a thing with an extra pocket. The extra pocket, you could have um, just Doritos, Fritos, and Cheetos. If it ends in O, you should be wearing Kato's. And they loved <laughs> it even more. And then I said, when you can finally afford to live on your own couch, it's time to wear Kato's. And it got bigger and bigger and bigger. And now we are in the designing stages. And we're going to make this thing happen. And I, I approve the design. And I, uh, there's, you know, one of the clothing outfits is this... Uh, it's a, uh, for the remote. It says remote. So the guys go and they put the remote in their pants. And um, So what, what kind of clothes are these? Is this it's like- loungewear. Uh, loungewear that you can actually watch a football game, sleep in it, and still go out to the store and buy, uh, you know, milk and beer. So it's like you'd wear it at home and out. Yeah. Home not and pajamas, out. though. Uh, they'll be, that's one of the lines also, and they're called pajamas. Like Kato? End and O. <laughs> Everything's got end and O. End and O. All my friends, <laughs> by the way. Harpo, Chico, and, and Opro. <laughs> So uh, when would we be able to purchase this? It'll probably be six months from now. A lot of what you do also is hosting, correct? Yeah, I love hosting. And I was born to be a host, Vic. You know what? I know that you were very in tight with a guy named Howie Mandel. I was born to be a game show host watching it. I, I, it's been my career to always want to be a host, and it's because I really do like listening and I love people. Hosting is the most wonderful. I did comedy, and... And hosting is what I should always just do, not the not the middle act or anything. Just be the host, the MC, because that's where I shine. Well, I've, yeah, I mean, I, I agree. You're very talented, and I could see you doing that and being very successful at it. What are you doing to pursue that? I, you have been hosting some things, haven't you? Yeah, no, I'm, I did a, we mentioned this other person, Elkie David. I did 140 shows there. It was on DirecTV and Dish Network, and uh, it's all over the world. It's been 46 different cities. What is that show? It's called Tailgating with Cato. Now, I'm done with that, and from that, a company saw me do that show and they hired me for my <clears throat> the Cato Kalen show. It started as Cato's Corner and that's a talk show. And I do a monologue, have uh, uh, the guest on, the guest are not the A-list, but they're the B-list people. And uh, But they're A-list to me. 
You're C, so you can't do my show. How dare you? I'm kidding. Oh, Jeremy C. Oh, my God. You're A, baby. You're A. That really hurts. You're the V train. Um, (laughs) You dropped that bomb on me, right? How dare you? My listeners are very offended. Vic is the best. (laughs) And um, so that's the show I've been doing. And I did a, uh, we were talking about it when you take a walk in the street. Where's this airing? The Cato Kalen Show. The Cato Kalen Show doesn't air until October. It'll air on any smart TV. And um, smart TV, you know what that is. I know what a smart car is. Yes, well. <laughs> I know what a smartphone is. What's well, a smart TV? S- smart TV is like a smartphone. You can get your Google, your Apple, your um, uh, connected to uh, any of the TV sources that are out there right now. 66% of people cut the cord and now watch everything in their iPad or their So this phone. is a network online? Well, it's, it's, um, it's run by a guy who started a company called Image Entertainment. Image Entertainment is uh, probably on every Blu-ray disc that you ever see. Um, and that's Martin Greenwald. So Martin runs the uh, company, and um, so now he, you, he touches stuff that becomes golden. So this show is going to be coming out in October. Yeah. And if and how are we going to find it? Um, there should be a complete ad campaign going forward. Uh, nothing will be done until this. Uh, it all works through apps. Uh, you have to have an app. Go to Apple. You go to Google, and it'll say the Cato Kalen Show. Okay. It's a lot like my Film On show was on Direct and Dish, but also bigger on the. On your uh, iPhones. So you're going to do a monologue and then you're oh, going to have did, one I guest? I shot my 18 shows. That's I it. Don't, I don't, well, 18, then I do another 18 probably start in October. How did that feel? It's fin- it's it's wonderful. The it, show is really good. It's uh, Because of the show, a lot of other doors have opened up because I'm sending out the tapes that I've had. And, um, you know, it, it's I'm working. And it's pretty consistent of things that are going on. And tomorrow, uh, from this, I go, uh, I got called in from a network. They want to see me. And uh, I'll put together a show idea. They wanted to do a Cato show of some sort. So it's it's sort of like work begets work. I and believe I that. Keep, yeah, and I keep, I, I never stop writing. I never stop, you know. When you had a stand-up act, were you writing your own stuff or were you uh, yeah. working, collaborating with others to get an act together? In the 90s, when the trial came out, I was with Louis Anderson and he had writers for me. And uh, So you were like a team, you were opening for him? Yeah, I, I did a, a few cities and then... It I remember wasn't, that. It wasn't my. It wasn't my voice. I didn't think it had nothing to do with Louis. Louis is fantastic, and his writers are great. I found the voice where I'm at now, of me sort of like. You well, you're very in the moment. Yeah, you know? and I, I, I think, think that's what it is. It's a, you know, my my stuff is sort of like self-deprecating or yeah, starting. I've got monologues on my phone that I do. I always start it with you know like, you know, real beauty. By the way, is on the inside. At least that's what all the ugly people tell me. Hey, we got a really good show, and then I go into the whole thing and stop it, Cato, no more. Now, what else What else have you been doing? Like, have you found that it's been hard to make a living over the 20 years because of this perception? Um, no, I think I've been kind of blessed with that. I've had some great jobs. Um, the, one of the jobs was uh, being a radio show, and uh, that was a great one to be in the uh, KLSX following Howard, Howard Stern at the time. But, but another one was, uh, we talked about, you didn't know I had this court show. I no, said, I did not. I yes. said, Vic, it's, it, we did 100. We talked about this prior to you coming on, it, this court show, yeah. A court show called Eye for an Eye. And the best part about the show was this, that I did 140 episodes. It aired all over the world and everywhere in America and every every affiliate. And I would travel and meet all the affiliates. It would People would see me in the airport and go, as soon as I knew, they go, we love that one episode. That trial stuff was it was always going to be there, but it got lower, lower on the ladder, and more people recognized me from that show, and it was a very, very big with the college crowd. What do, what you may not realize, and I'm gonna I'm gonna teach you something, Kato. Mm-hmm. I want you to listen closely. Are you listening? There is. Do a, I have to pull your finger? No. Oh, good. There is an audience out there 
whether you like it or not, doesn't know who you are. I went to, I, before I came here, I, I was agree. at Starbucks and I was asking people, who is Cato Kalin? Now, these people were mostly in their 20s, poorly educated, <laughs> could not speak English. By the way, this but, is Skid Row Studios. <laughs> no, but I talked to Cato. This is important. I'm giving you some great hope. I got to tell you something after the story. This is true. There are a lot of people who don't know you Mm -hmm. and they're going to discover you. And maybe their parents would say, oh, that's that guy. But that doesn't matter if that's ever been a hindrance. And some of those people will watch you too. But you have an opportunity. This time passing is actually a good thing for you. Oh, I 100% agree. 100% agree because that, that, that thing that happened is... It's the cards that I had to play to get where I'm at. It's sort of like, it, this is what just going to happen to you, Cato, in your life. So there's nothing you can do. You deal with it. So I've dealt with it. And uh, once again, I haven't stopped pursuing what I'm doing. And I'm doing it there. And you know, you mentioned Starbucks today. And that's, that's how my day started. Today, I'm in Starbucks in the morning going there. It's a woman in line and she's choking and choking. And it was, everybody's freaking out. But within moments, moments, they opened up another register. So things were good. <laughs> <laughs> joke out there. That was just a joke. <laughs> we were I doing so well. Harpo, so Chico. Well. This interview was going so well. I had to do that one for the <laughs> Say, leave him on your strongest. I did. <laughs> oh, I, I did. Well, um, we're almost out of time, but uh, if people want to reach you, how do they do that? Well, you know, yeah, I, I end every show. I, and the show to me has been enlightening. And I end every show that I do with, these, with the, uh, a phrase of, um, don't believe what you hear recognize what you see and be a moth and chase the light is how I end every show. So I'm ending your show with that too. Be a moth, chase the light. We're not quite done. (laughs) (laughs) How can they find you? Oh, uh, Twitter, Cato, at Cato, underscore Kalen, K-A-E-L-I-N, Facebook, Instagram, which is my modeling agency. I'm with Instagram. No filter. Anyways. Okay, it's heavy. Anyways. That's how you find me. Kato underscore Kalen. K-A-E-L-I-N. And again, you can Google him. You're going to find a ton of stuff on on uh, Google and I just uh, and YouTube. I just want to thank you so much for, again, taking the time because you. I know you are busy. You've been constantly out of town working. Thank you for taking the time. Glad uh, I did. I, I am thrilled you did. And uh, I learned a lot. So thank you. Just a reminder, Cato and all of you listening, you can subscribe to my show on iTunes where you can also download past episodes and it's all free. See you next week right here on Vic Cohen's It's a Fair Question. I'm Vic Cohen and it's a fair question. It's a fair question. It's a fair question. I'm Vic Cohen and it's a fair question. It's a fair, it's a fair, it's a fair, it's a fair question. I'm Vic Cohen and it's a fair, it's a fair, it's a fair, it's a fair question.